0: Sunrise with Shona, Hot 1027. Good morning, beautiful people of God. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona on Hot 1027, and it's great to be back with you again this morning. I hope you're all well and that you've had a good week. In the past few weeks, we've looked at angels, a lot about angels, angels speaking to Joseph multiple times. We've heard about angels speaking to the wise men in dreams, and of course those wise men were Gentiles, so that caused a bit of a stir that God even spoke to Gentiles. The wise men were following a star, they got distracted by politics and Herod in Jerusalem and they lost sight of that star and regained sight of the star once they left Jerusalem and then of course they found the baby Jesus. Today we're looking at the Spirit of God descending on Jesus like a dove, so we have a Spirit of God like a dove, then we have the voice from heaven, God's voice saying this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I'm sure you're all aware that I'm quoting scripture from Matthew's gospel about Jesus' baptism. And there are many interesting things in this text for me that we're going to look at when we look at the baptism of Jesus and God's words and John's experience. John, we know, was Jesus' cousin, and he went before Jesus to prepare the way for Jesus. And his baptism, John's baptism, was a baptism of repentance. So let's start there today. In every Eucharistic service that we have, in every communion service we have in the church, as well as in our morning and evening prayers, we have a time of repentance and a time of absolution. So a time where we reflect, we come before God, we confess that we've sinned against God through our own fault, in thought, word and deed, and in what we've left undone. So it's not just in what we've done, but also that which we've left undone. Now, why? Why is it so important for us to have a time of repentance? Why is it stressed over and over again in our communion service? And for those of us who do morning and evening prayer, um, in the Anglican church at least, there is also this time of repentance. And I think firstly, it's because none of us are perfect. Well, I certainly know I'm not perfect. And we need to repent because even if we don't speak it, even if we don't do it, there are times when we think things that we shouldn't think. And we might even judge someone through our thoughts. And so we need to go before God and say, sorry, sorry that we judged that person. And I can't tell you how often I've been wrong in that judgment, where you've looked at someone and you've thought something about them, and actually it's not true at all once you get to know them. And so there are times when we need to just say sorry. It's really important for us to recognize that we are not perfect and that we need to ask God for forgiveness. And so, as I said, I can't speak for you, but I know I'm not perfect. And I need that time to reflect and say sorry to God. Secondly, I think it's good for us to repent. Repentance means turning around, doing it better, not, of course, saying sorry and doing the same thing over and over again. And it's good for us from a mental health perspective as well, to repent, to be truly sorry, to actually mean it. And I think they did an an exercise once or they went and did some research once And they discovered that Roman Catholics who do confession suffered less mental illness than the rest who don't. And it's because when you go to God and you confess it, God removes that sin from you. And so you're not walking around with that guilt or being weighed down by things that you've done wrong. And so it's important for us to repent. It's also important for us to remember that Jesus died on the cross to set us free so we can experience that abundant life. And in order to do that, we need to acknowledge our ways, we need to acknowledge where we've done something wrong, and then we need to ask God's forgiveness. And it is also, of course, and this is not the most important reason, but in the Eucharist service, in the communion service, it's so that we can come before the table of God, and having been washed clean and received from the table, and we are washed clean by the blood of Christ, the work Christ did on the cross. Now I'm going to look at Jesus' baptism next, but first on the mighty Hot 1027. And I thought seeing as we're talking about baptism, let your living water flow over my soul. Sunrise with Shona, Hot 1027. Let your living water flow over my soul on the mighty Hot 1027. Good morning, this is Reverend Shona from St. Mark's Anglican Church. For those who've just joined, welcome. We are going to go into Matthew's Gospel now and look at the baptism of Jesus. We've looked at the repentance, John's baptism of repentance. We're now going to look at Jesus' baptism. And I'm going to read to you from Matthew 3. And I want to read from just before we find John baptizing Jesus. So John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. So here already we have John. His experience is that he's got a job to do, but he is not the Messiah, and he knows that, and he says that all the time. So he says, Jesus is coming. Jesus is mightier than I. I'm not fit or worthy to carry his sandals. And he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His and fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan, be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John allowed him to be baptized by him. Jesus, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan by John. And of course, John had already made this distinction between his baptism of water unto repentance and the baptism that Jesus would bring, which was a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. And to this day, we believe in that baptism of the Holy Spirit and how important it is for us to live out our Christian lives, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. John tries not to baptize Jesus, but Jesus insists. Now, you can imagine what it's like for John. He knows that this is a Messiah. It would be for me as a priest, um, the bishop coming and asking me to baptize him. It's that sort of thing, except for even more, because we're talking about the Son of God here. So it's someone who has authority over you, who's more powerful than you, who is in fact the Son of God, coming and asking to be baptized. So one can understand why John is not that keen. But what's important for me is that Jesus says, no, you still need to baptize me. And in that, we see the obedience of Jesus to God because he says it's to fulfill all righteousness. We also see the humility of Jesus. He doesn't think he's too important to be baptized by John in the muddy River Jordan. And it's important for us to be humble in life because Jesus said, I've come to show you the way. And Jesus is showing us here humility and obedience. We may know that someone else can do something better than we can. I'm going to give you a very simple example. When I was growing up, my mom had a baby, my sister Fiona, and I was about nine at the time and I'd never made tea because my mom always made tea. But now she had this baby, she had just given birth, she was sore and she asked me to make a cup of tea. So I went and put the kettle on and in those days you didn't have a kettle that switched itself off. And so I turned it off long before it boiled because I got scared. And so she got cold milky tea that was probably very weak and didn't taste very good. Now, my mom knew she could do it better than me, but she also knew that I had to learn at some stage and that it gave me some sort of sense of pride and joy to be able to do something for her. And so she very humbly and graciously drank the tea and said, thank you. Now, that's just a very simple example of um, how we are called to be humble. My mom was humble in that sense, in just saying thank you so much and pretending that she was enjoying it. When we look at following God and we're in community together, we need to be careful that we don't try to do everything. Even if we know we can do it better than the other person, sometimes we have to humbly receive. And that's what I see Jesus doing here with John. He knows that his baptism is far more powerful than the baptism of John. But he still submits to John, submits to the will of God and allows himself to be baptized by God. By Well, he is baptized by God in the Holy Spirit then, but he allows John to baptize him. And that's his obedience. And God's response to Jesus' obedience, grace and humility as we look at Jesus, The heavens opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice, God's voice, spoke to him and said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So when we see God's response here, God's response is powerful um, and he affirms Jesus. And to a less extent, of course, he's affirming John. So why did Jesus need to be baptized? And what baptism do we need? Is what I was thinking. Jesus came to show us the way, as I've said, and his way was humility, grace, obedience. Baptism for me is a very much part of our faith. And so Jesus was leading the way for us, saying that we all need to be baptized. And we know when we move into the book of Acts, whole households were baptized. So this became a way of life. Why do we need to be baptized? So firstly for me, and I stress this is for me, it's my belief that in baptism we are washed clean. And when we sign the sign of the cross on our foreheads, and we sign the sign of the cross on others' foreheads, obviously as a priest, we are officially becoming part of God's family But I also believe that that sign of the cross is seen in the spiritual realm. And so we we are saying in the spiritual realm that we belong to God and therefore we fall under God's anointing and protection. So I really do believe that. I'm sure not everyone believes that. But I believe that when we sign the sign of the cross on a baby's forehead, on an adult's forehead, on people when they come to baptism, we are saying in the spiritual realm, this person is a child of God. Don't touch them, in other words, because they belong to God. And of course, we do need that repentance because the, repent, the the sins will separate us from God and we need the baptism of fire of the Holy Spirit so that we can live out our lives in the power and the Spirit of God. Absolutely essential in the world in which we're living that we live from a place of being filled by the Holy Spirit. Looking now at God's words to Jesus, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Wouldn't you love to hear those words from God spoken to you? You could place your name there. So if your name's Anne, Anne, you are God's beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased, or God's beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. And I think that the more we journey with God, we do sometimes hear God saying that to us. And I think, you know, through repentance, journeying with God, moving in the spirit, God does say, you are my beloved child. And we are told that we are children of the Most High God. So what more could we want than to be a child of God? And here we see Jesus being affirmed in his role as a child of God, God's beloved, and God is well pleased with him. Now, as you reflect on these words, coming up now on the Mighty Hot 1027, Majesty, worship his majesty. And I just thought this was appropriate because God is God and we are God's children and let us worship our loving God. Sunrise with Shona, Hot 1027. Majesty, worship his majesty on the mighty Hot 1027. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona and it's great to be with you. This morning we've already looked at John the Baptist in the desert, preparing the way for Jesus, John baptizing Jesus, and we've listened to God speaking to Jesus. And of course we've looked at what it may mean for us and why we get baptized in the first place, or why I think we get baptized. And the one thing I do want to stress is that I truly believe with all my heart that when we are baptized, we are saying to all in the spiritual realm that we belong to God. And so we fall under the protection of God. I'm going to end this morning in a quite unusual way looking at something that was written by Anthony de Mello in his book Wellsprings. And it's a book of spiritual exercises. And I'm going to paraphrase and shorten his spiritual exercise. But I think it speaks into sort of what we were speaking about this morning, repentance, letting go of the past, um, living in the now, being present with God, and particularly letting go of regrets or any sort of resentment we have. So Anton De Mello, in this writes the following, and as I say, I am going to paraphrase it. He says, one thing is certain, to be fully alive involves the renunciation of one's past And he says, one's future. So, this was a new thought for me that I mustn't look to the future too much either. He says, The past is yesterday, and we cannot be alive if we cling to yesterday, for yesterday is a memory, a creation of the mind, and it's no longer real. He says, Therefore, we need to let go of our yesterdays. Will he let go of his yesterdays, his propensity for living in the past? And one way of living in the past, he says, is holding on to grievances. As a first step towards being fully present, He made a list of people he resented, and he offered each one of them amnesty and absolution and let them go. And I thought maybe as we're moving into a new year, maybe that's a good thing for us to do. If we know there's someone who's hurt us or we hold some sort of resentment towards someone, write their name down, because in writing, um, there's something about it that really helps us to process it. Write their name down and give them absolution, amnesty, and let them go. Let them go from your judgment. He goes on to say that we need to make sure that we don't believe that we are completely blameless. In most situations, we're not completely blameless. There is something we've contributed, and so we need to come before God with grace and humility and confess that we too were part of this. So he says, if I mean to give up living in the past, I have to drop all regrets as cleanly as I drop resentments. So now he's moving from resentments, people we have a grudge against, to regrets, He says that what we tend to do is look at loss, our failings, our mistakes, our handicaps, the lack of opportunities in our life, our so-called bad experiences. And he said we need to move from that, focusing on that, to see that in the dance of life, all things cooperate to do us good. So I do believe that God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so he's saying don't have regrets. There are things we might regret that we did or didn't do or things we completed or didn't complete, Let it go because it robs you of the present moment. Having let go of resentments and regrets, we also need to let go of good experiences, he says. And I think that's quite important too because I can remember my dad always saying in the old days, this was better, that was better and so on. If we live in that space, we miss out on what's good today. And so we need to let go of all of that. And now, he says, when we've let go of our yesterdays, we still have to dispossess ourselves of our tomorrows. For the future, like the past, is not a life. It's a construction of the mind. And if we live in it, we miss out on what's here. And so he feels we need to let go of our greed to acquire, to achieve, to become somebody in the future, because life is now. So is love. And so is God. And so is happiness. And that part I really liked. So let go of our resentments. Let go of our regrets. Let go of the future and how we think it should be. Because it might not be that. Don't live in the future. When I reach this age, when I have this, when, when, when. And I think we do that when we're children. When I turn 13 and I'm a teenager, and then this and the other. When I'm 18 and I can drive, then I want a car. Then when I'm finished fast year, then I want this and so on. We often live in the future and we miss out on now. And that's what he's saying. He's saying because love is now, God is now, happiness is now. And he says he thinks of things that perhaps he is greedy and ambitious, but he needs to drop that because otherwise it keeps him bondage to anxiety and he needs to be freed to be alive in the now. And he does say, I take a while to let my experiences, to let myself experience this relief and freedom and having released myself from the future and the past, I come into the present to experience life as is, is now, for eternal life is now eternal life is here. I listen to the sounds around me. I become aware of my breathing in and out and of my body so as to be as fully present as I can. Now share shared that exercise with us because baptism is about being washed clean, letting go of everything. And here, of course, we've been called to let go of resentments, to let go of regrets, to let go of anxieties and stresses for the future and to just be fully present to God now. And so my prayer for you this morning is that you're fully present to God now and that you can hear God saying your name and saying you are my beloved, with you I'm well pleased and that you will actually feel that love of God in this moment right now. May God bless you and all those you love and pray for. I hope you have a wonderful week. If you need to get hold of me, you can do so on Shona at hot1027.co.za. To wrap up this morning, We've got There is None Like You because there is none like God and tell out my soul. May God bless you. Sunrise with Shona, part 1027.